0: Welcome to another episode of
1: Semi Pro.
0: I'm Coach Casey, and uh, I'm actually kicking it solo in the locker room today. But I do have my co host, Demo, on the phone with me. We're actually trying out the phone app on the sounding board. So, uh, Demo, what's going on, man? Not much,
1: man. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here struggling Sunday morning to figure out my fantasy lineup. AB <laughs> uh, <laughs> has ruined me.
0: Uh, I just. <laughs> I just pulled off a trade this morning for Ross from Cincinnati for Josh Gordon, so we'll see how that pays off. Who did you end up picking? That you got Ross? You yeah, run? yeah, yeah. I took I took Ross and I gave him Josh Gordon, so I'm I'm kind of regretting that now that ab has gone though. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just about to say I
1: think Gordon's stock just went up, man. Yeah, yeah I had a I had an injured Tariq Hill and uh, and uh, what the hell Antonio Brown. Uh, I'm yeah. kind of lost at receiver
0: right now. <laughs> yeah, so we got a guest on the line, Mr. Wes Skiffington. West, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, Case? How's it going, Dame? I'm uh, actually in the same predicament. You you are their game uh, I got Antonio Brown on the team here so uh, to, uh, to... <laughs> yeah yeah I wanted to bring you name. in on this so you could get in on the fantasy conversation because I thought we you and I talked about this the other day about uh Antonio Brown
2: uh, it's 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 all bad over on this side in the, the fantasy football realm so uh yeah uh, we'll just we'll just stick to the pick em and hopefully I can win that and at least get some money back <laughs> There you
0: go. so you're going for the uh, pick them this week.
2: Yeah, we're going to pick one. We got a limit elimination challenge going on too, where you know pick one team a week, and you can't pick the same team twice. And, okay. You know, you know, a lot, okay. A lot of money on that, that house.
0: Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens, man. I'm I'm zero and two going into this week in fantasy, and and it's been pretty brutal because <laughs> none of my none of my <laughs> none of my playmaking. <laughs> well, so week one I lost by like a fraction of a point. It wasn't even a full. It wasn't even a full point. And it came down to the wire. All my guys went off. And then last week, my guys kind of struggled. So far, like, my highest score has been Derrick Henry for the season. Have to keep uh, putting all my eggs in the Derrick Henry basket, I guess. Yeah, I'm just dealing with the injury bug. I'm holding out for A.J. Green. He was my uh, one of my sweepers I just dashed on
1: IR. And then Tyreek Hill. And then uh, Cam Newton killed me, too.
0: He was my, my yeah. hope. Yeah, UV, he
1: hasn't.
0: So. Yeah, people like to talk shit about Mitch Trubisky, but I'd like to point out that Cam Newton has yet to throw a touchdown pass in the NFL this year. So,
2: yeah, you, you don't even have to point it out to me, Dane. Man, we have the same football, the fantasy football team cause I got Cam too. And it's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, you definitely know the pain, man. <laughs> I got Kareem Hunt hanging out on the bench, you know, just to stand in. <laughs>
0: waiting for uh waiting for what week eight yeah exactly (laughs) so Wes we wanted to uh we wanted to have you on the show because you were a college kicker indeed yes so for the university so for the listeners uh, you were a place kicker so you did all the kickoffs and the field goals and extra points and stuff
2: and I punted as well actually. Okay, so you all actually three.
0: punted on the team as well, okay. I knew you were a punter, just didn't know that you punted in college too. So so you did it all. You were like the Craig Hentrick of your football team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. In high school I did it
2: all and then uh, you know, college it was always kind of a kind of a juggle in which 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 to I'd always do field goal kicking, but you know, the coach liked focusing on that and sometimes
0: I wouldn't get a punt, would not get a kick or yeah, yeah. But, so you, <laughs> so you said that it was uh, Stony Brook University, and that is out of Long Island, New York. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, up, it's a uh, Long Island, so it's um, you know out east
2: towards uh, towards like uh, not quite the Hamptons area, right? Um, but right outside of Port Jefferson, nice okay. they
0: consider it like the not Oyster Bay section of uh, New York. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly that. That's sort of uh, that's area we're right on the Long Island Sound, in between uh, you know Connecticut and Long Island. That's
0: the sound. So I did a little research. So Stony Brook started out as a Division three school in football back in the nineties, and then they basically went the same path as USF in about the same amount of time too, where they went from Division three. To Division Two in like '95 or '96, I think, and then from Division Two they went up to one Double A at the time, Division One Double A in '99 or 2000, and then you played in uh, what? What was it? 2005 is when you joined the team, or actually uh, 2008. So yeah, yeah, Case, uh that's uh, that's some good research there, man. And uh, kind of what happened
2: was they got a uh, president in there. It was uh, she was from Texas, so she's big football, big sports, and she was president of the university. So she started juicing up the athletic side of the house Mm -hmm.
0: and uh, they just kind of carried that steam over and really moved quickly. So you grew up around here. So explain then how did you end up going to Stony Brook all the way up in New York?
2: That's a, that's a great question. So, um, I guess you know we kind of start from the beginning there. I started playing soccer pretty much my whole life, and uh, you know, actually, my uh, my mom would never let me get into football. Uh, she said until I got into high school, something about bones developing, some crap like that. You know, really. Um, so, so I kind of played. Yeah, I kind of played soccer my whole life. Always wanted to play football. Was always bigger on the soccer team. Always got a lot of fouls. That sort of thing. You know, enjoyed the contact. But once I got to high school, you know, I kind of quickly realized that you know, I was quite a quite a bit behind the eight ball as far as understanding football and playing football and uh, you know the concepts of those sort of things. Not to say that you can't get into it, but um, you know, I also kicked and I was pretty darn good at that. So uh, the coach was like, you know, you should probably just keep kicking and you got you got know, a pretty good future. Um, so that was a guy named Terry Thomas from Brandon High School. So I started at Brandon High School, and uh, he was my JV coach. Great guy. actually still talk to him today. Um, so, you know, what everyone went through, went through, uh, you know, high school at Brandon the first three years, I had some really, really good luck, great coaches the first two years. And uh, I think I kicked like over like, 30, you know, 25, 30 field goals in two years, you know, so you know, quite a bit of work for high school. And uh, junior year, we, we got a new coach, new coaching staff, and uh, I think I kicked like two field goals. And I know that was prime time for recruiting. So you know, I transferred transferred high schools basically my junior year, and uh, you know, kind of kind of like we were talking about before the show, it was different back then. Um, You know, you couldn't just transfer you had to uh, come up with some sort of hardship reason right if was a specialty at that school those sorts of things um so basically you know thank god my parents you know had the resources to do it not everybody did which you know i think is kind of some of the reasons they moved away from it but uh you know basically we had to get an apartment in the district uh for uh, for the couple for the couple months that i went to school at armwood so that uh you know i could actually live there we had to tell a story and do the hardship license mm-hmm. about you know basically my parents were going through a rough time in their marriage right. and they were splitting those sorts of things. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't happening. But right. It's just the length you have to go to, to do right by, to do right by yourself and do right by your kid. Is, right. It's, it's kind of crazy. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? um, it, and like I said, I mean, thank God, you know, I had the, the parents and the privilege to be able to do that. You know, so, so many other kids didn't which right. I can, you know, talk about a little bit later. But uh, yeah, I ended up at Armwood, and like everybody, I didn't think I was going to go to a you know D one AA or D two school or anything like that. It was uh, you know looking at the bigger schools of the world, and like everybody and or like a lot of people, uh, that didn't shake out. Um, and Stony Brook ended up offering me a full scholarship after going up for a visit, and it's a really really good school. You know, it's like right outside of that Ivy League level as right. far as education. So. Right. You know, at the time, I didn't care, but, you know, looking back, I feel pretty blessed to have been able to have people around me to, you know, make that decision instead of doing a preferred walk-on at FSU or USF or something like that.
0: Yeah. I noticed, too, when I was doing my research on Stony Brook, they had, like, a lot of, I don't know, oceanic programs and, and, and things like that up there. I mean, was that your focus in, in college? Because I know you're big into fishing and, and lobstering. Did you, you know, specialize in something having to do with the ocean? You know, Chase, I'd love to be able to say, uh, oh, man, I was that guy, you know, I had that
2: foresight, you know, all that yeah. stuff. And that was something that I was really uh, on my mind when I was in college. But, uh, now I got a degree in history and uh, pretty much majored in football. <laughs> so, you know, if anybody any, can to listen and make more out of that scholarship when you go there, man. <laughs> so cool. so I, I, I wanted
1: to touch on something really quick because it seems like you have the the opposite direction but on the same path that I had so I went to three different high schools uh throughout my four-year tenure in high school and for me it wasn't sports or anything like that it was just like my parents just really didn't pay attention to put the effort towards athletics for me they if they had to move they, they, they just moved you know and for me my junior year I spent my entire junior year that summer off season working with my second school although I had moved and I faced that same problem Where I didn't have a hardship or anything to say that I can stay in the school, so they kicked me out of that school to go to a different one, and I found it difficult to blend in with the team at that point because they had already built their bonds through the summer. They'd already worked the plays, and trying to integrate into the team it was difficult for me in my senior year. I just I wanted I'm curious to see how it was for you transferring with the intent to go there for football. Yeah, so um, you know, coach Coach Cal
2: over there at Onwood, uh great guy, man. Like uh he, he gets a lot of bad press. I don't know if uh you know anybody's familiar with Coach Cow out there. You know, about recruiting and those sorts of things. But uh I basically transferred over there in in spring ball. So I got over there in spring of my junior seat and that was really important because that's when all the scouts came through and everything like that. So I don't know. I, I kind of approached it with the mentality, you know, that uh I don't know. Everybody loves, loves a baller, you know, in team. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I just kind of approached it. Hey, I'm going to have to, you know, I got in there early. So I didn't have the issue that you did. I was there all summer integrated with the team. Um, but I just approached it with the mentality that, you know, Hey guys, I'm here to do a job and everybody respected it there uh, because everybody was trying to get to that next level. And they understood it was a, a means to an end, but we also, you know, we evolved out as, as a team and we wanted to win and everything like that. But I, I, I didn't have the unfortunate circumstance I over there after several workouts. I got in there in spring ball, integrated all through summer. We had a work workout program, so it wasn't as hard. But, I mean, you know, of course, when you transfer over, you've got the people that are there and play. and you know, yeah, you
1: well, don't wanna, yeah, that sort of thing. Going into Armwood, I'm sure the competition level was pretty high, too.
2: Yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, one of my best friends was actually the kicker there. Uh, uh, he graduated a year before me. So he was like, man, you need to come over here. Um, you know, like they need a kicker, and this is the only way to you to get a scholarship. So uh, pretty much, that I made that move. And I don't the only people that were, you know, had any negativity or anything like that were people that were, you know, close with the, the backup kicker spot. I you, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fair competition, though. But you know, it was a competition, but it wasn't. I guess it wasn't really fair at the end yeah. of the day. So.
0: Well, I mean, when it comes to kicking. What are the two things that matters? Your leg and your accuracy, right? So, so if you if if if, if you have a bigger leg, chances are you're going to win the job. But you know, if you're a place kicker and you can put it between the bars, then you know you're gonna you're gonna win. So,
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a pretty it's a pretty cut and dry. If you're good, if you're not, and it's very it's very uh, observable from the outside, right? Right? It's
1: the most relatable position to quarterback, believe it or not. Yeah. Arm strength, leg strength. Exactly. Accuracy, right? Yeah, yeah, because okay. it, it mm-hmm. comes down if you to. Do good, right?
0: If yeah, exactly. If yeah. You do
1: good. If it's your fault. And if we if we don't do good, it's your fault. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah yeah exactly and uh it, you know you don't you don't uh you know the same thing you, you've got to depend on the line and the receiver you know that you can relate it to the line in front of me as a kicker or the holder those sort of things but at the end of the day those 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 don't
0: really the responsibility doesn't fall <laughs> Nope, it's your fault <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so Wes, how did stony brook do during your stay there Oh, man. So, uh, my first year, uh, my redshirt year, um, it was a
2: little interesting. So, uh, we uh, we brought in a bunch of junior college transfers, much like anybody that's trying to get ramped up in a, a D1AA situation there. When they just come up quick like we did, uh, we had a bunch of junior college transfers, those sort of things. So, it wasn't really a team atmosphere, but it was you know, thought they were going to the nfl that sort of thing um uh, but uh the, the next year we did really well and then um yeah i think we we won a conference championship all four years that i played so that was nice i uh, went to the playoff for two years but uh we got really lucky because my sophomore year uh spring we had hostra close down their football program which okay was yeah. like, you know i'm um, Uh, unbelievable. Hofstra was put out in town. I mean, uh, they had the receiver at New Orleans, all that stuff. So, I think we got about 14 transfers from Hofstra that were all starters, and then uh, a couple of big recruits that they had won in the New York and Pennsylvania area just came to stony brooks wow we actually got really good my junior and senior year
0: wow and so because because that school because uh, Hofstra closed their football program none of those players had to wait that year of eligibility they were automatically eligible immediately exactly they didn't
2: have that uh that period of sitting out so we got them right on the field and i mean we there's there's some really good players i mean probably one of the biggest players to come out of Stony Brook was that guy, Miguel Mason, that a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, for us, he you know, got yeah. shot and everything like that
0: and had a lot right. of scouts, but uh, he came from Bobstra and, you know, just really a lot of ballers. Right. What was uh, your best year, I guess, as a member of the Stony Brook? So there's like a playoff system in FCS, so, you know, how deep and how far did you go? Yeah, so
2: um, our junior year, we made it to... The semis, I believe. The semis or the quarters? I think the semifinals, and we played Sam Houston State. Okay, yeah. And we lost the Sam Houston State in a really close game. Really close game. We actually had a chance to win it at the end, and uh, just didn't come up with the. A- up with the catch there but San um, Houston and then the next year we went to Montana State and that was the quarterfinals and that was like one of the coolest places I've ever played yeah it was in Montana
0: yeah they do have a really awesome atmosphere there in Montana it's 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 pretty crazy how into football they are for Montana State.
2: It's oh, like it's this the whole
0: town. It, yeah,
2: it, it all shuts down. Right, man.
0: right. Yeah, it's like the same thing with like North Dakota State too. <laughs> they just have mm-hmm. crazy football towns. But yeah, I actually had a friend who lived in Bozeman, Montana, and went to Montana State, and and she told me all about it. How it was basically like any town in Texas, <laughs> where the entire town would it, shut down it for. Was yeah, yeah, and they also have a pretty big stadium too for ad a, a one AA school as well. Yeah, I want to say
2: I want to say they're they're up over twenty thousand, I believe, yeah. and it's a beautiful stadium. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about like you feel like you're playing football in like you know God's country. You're just surrounded yeah. by mountains, mountains it's right? yeah. stadium. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just. Yeah. And I'm just
0: dropping bombs because of the altitude.
2: <laughs>
0: so, so that actually, that actually segues into my next question uh, about your leg. Um, I know you have a leg cause we've talked about it before. So let's talk about the power behind the, uh, the leg. What was your average and what was the longest uh, field goal you ever kicked? So um the longest field goal I ever kicked was in high school. It was probably, like, one of my best moments as a
2: football player it was against uh, Riverview High School. And it was cool because I had missed the big kick right before um, like it. Like, like a minute and a half left, I missed mean, like, uh, the game winner. You know, they got the ball back. We had two timeouts, so we needed it. Found out we had three. We got the ball back, and I hit a nice 52-yarder. It like, so was, like, So that's a 52-yarder you know, in high school, you know, Yeah. Feeling. Yeah, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. yeah, sophomore year, so yeah, it was a it was a good good feeling there. That's I, awesome. I was like, all right, I got a future in there Yeah, on um, average, I mean, honestly, in, in college, my long is like 49, 48, yeah. and that was against Army. Well, actually, we had one against Army and one at home, so uh, that that was that was long in college. I'd say you know, average I think I was right around like 39, 40 yards in college. And, it was just it kind to of spot man. Like I said, our coach would never, he would never commit to saying, all right, you're going to do kickoffs, punts, and field goals. He'd say, you're going to do field goals. And then, the, you know, the guy that I was better than would mess up a kickoff, so he'd put the in. And then right. the guy that was punting would drop a punt, and, you know, I'd have to punt that sort of thing. So I right. didn't get that consistent just to be able to do it every single game. Um, but no, it's just more more accurate, man. And it's definitely, definitely accurate, for sure. Um, but uh, it's a pretty big leg, like you're saying. That's nothing...
0: Uh, nothing like Janikowski or something like that. <laughs> no, but I mean, definitely big enough to be an NFL kicker for sure. I mean, if you can kick 50 plus, you're good enough to, you know, kick in the NFL.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a dream or something that I, yeah. uh, you know, strive for, for, you know, good, good, happy year, year and a half. So, so
0: it just didn't really work out, but, uh, <laughs> So nobody nobody approached you. Nobody said, you know, hey, like, let's see a uh, kicker at the pro day for Stony Brook or something like that. Like, nothing like that happened. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, I went to kick at the pro
2: day, uh, yeah. but we actually had a snowstorm uh, two days before. Oh, and, and they didn't want them running outside. Right. So, yeah, we went into an indoor facility that wasn't tall enough to kick in. That
0: sucks. Which was unfortunate oh, wow. because,
2: uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I flew up there, ready to go. And like I said, we had that guy, Miguel Mason, that Twenty eight, twenty nine teams represented at the pro day. Right. They really suck.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean. Yeah. Y- about bad breaks. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, like, yeah. you, you know, kickers rarely get drafted, right? Like, maybe two or three kickers go in the entire draft. But if you had been seen at the mm-hmm. pro day and they could have seen your leg and your accuracy and stuff like that, then, you know, chances are you would have been signed the day after the draft when they start picking up all those free agents and stuff, you know. So. Yeah, you know what? I like to. I'd like to think so, you know, but you yeah.
2: know everything kind of happens for a reason. It did it did suck, man, cuz that was uh there's a lot of culmination and work going up to that, you know. Right. Uh where you know, I graduated graduated in the in December and he worked my ass off for four or five months, you know, and then got up there for the pro day and it was just you know, kind of a dud.
0: Yeah, that's the
1: <laughs> so Did you think it anywhere after that? After after yeah. the pro day did you uh did you try maybe like a CFL or did you send my pro?
2: So um, we, I went to a couple of combines. Uh, Mike Husted puts on some combines. He's an old NFL kicker. Yeah, I remember. And, him. Uh, so they actually have, yeah, they actually have really weird rules. Um, so if you're, if if I'm coming out of college and I'm a kicker and I'm at one of those um, one of those co- combines, even if I qualify for the final day, no scouts are allowed to be present watching along somebody that just graduated is at that combine. Huh. It's so weird. It's so weird. Uh-huh. So basically, right? You, you, you'd have the you'd have the Fresh Call graduates kick, and there'd be nobody out there. And then they'd have the other guys come in and kick that qualified for the last day. And all the actual coaches would be out there, you know. So it's like the coaches, you know, scouts, all that.
0: That is a very strange rule. Wow. Yeah, my so guess uh-huh. is some sort. It's probably some sort of
2: money grab, you know, driving yeah. everybody to the same combines those sort of things. It was a series of unfortunate events, and, uh, I you know I mean I got a, like, my dad basically was like uh, you know I was living at home at the time you know kind of doing odd jobs here and there, working a little bit right. and uh he, my brother talked about Connectwise case, um, yeah. and he was like man this is a really good company yeah. you should interview here. When I got the job and I you know, I kept working and everything, but I was like, Damn, this is a pretty good company, a pretty good career. Like, yeah. It's hard to really dedicate all that time outside of work to continue on the training and everything. So, you know, yeah. I got a little lazy and gave up.
1: That's what happens, man. Yes. You start your career and then, you know, one thing leads to another and, and you have to decide what what takes priority. It's it's
2: sad, man. Like you still think back to that type of stuff, you know, I mean I'm, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here.
0: Yeah, so Damon, um just for a little background, Wes actually used to be my boss. <laughs> so, oh. Uh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so I met Wes uh what like a couple years ago now. it's been at least 2 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so I met yeah, Wes a couple years, years ago. Yeah, yeah we both been with the company for a while. How long have you been there uh, now, Wes? i uh, going on uh I think going on 7, about 7 years. Yeah. Yeah, I just had my I just had my 5 year anniversary in May, so so I, I met Wes a couple of years ago when I moved to the support team and that's actually, Damo, that's around the time that I was trying to get you in the door with, the, with the company, but, but Wes was my boss and, uh, if it weren't for him, I would have quit. <laughs>
2: I was wondering if we were going to tie this in, Casey, like if we want to have a conversation about like uh what a poisonous environment can do to a good, uh good employee or good uh, team. Number, yeah, you know, absolutely. Absolutely, that's uh, what
0: absolutely. Yeah. So if it, if it weren't for him coming in because I was on a very, very perfect word to describe it was I was on a very uh, poisonous team. It was just a, a nasty environment with a lot of people that just were, I don't know, set in their ways, just had certain way of doing things and just didn't, didn't appreciate, you know, my style of, of, you know, hard work and, um, and, uh, and they did my style. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they it, it, well, you know, very straightforward. Cause when, when Wes and I first met, like right off the bat, you know, he was like, you know, what, what the fuck are you doing here? You know, like, like why are you, why are you on this team? Like you, you belong somewhere else. Like this team is going nowhere fast, you know? And, uh, it was actually. <laughs> it was actually because of him that I got off that team. But yeah, man, I, I had one foot out the door, and if it weren't for him coming in and recognizing what me for what it was and and how hard I was working and and how it, you know I say hard work, but it was really. It was really, to me, it was an easy job. I could do it with my eyes closed, but it, you know, the other people made it look like it was, uh, you know, digging graves or some shit like that. Like, I don't, I don't know. They just acted like it was, you know, the end of the world. And he comes in and, and you know, he's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the way shit's going over here either. So we're going to go ahead and, and turn this team upside down and dump it on his head and see what happens. So <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I really appreciate yeah, that, I feel, Wes. I
1: feel like yeah, every. Hey, yeah, no problem, those, man. Yeah, it was, it was it, 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 it's
2: it's good, man. I mean, I've even had those moments myself, so uh, it, it's it's good because you know when you're in those situations, you just like you say, Casey. I mean, you could be working hard, but once it's like easy work, you just turn it off, you know. Yeah. Kind yeah. just do the job, and it's, it's not a, it's not a good place to
0: be. You always want to be challenging. Exactly. At some, some point, exactly. Some, some yeah. Well, and that's and that's what happened when you came in too. Was it was not only that you recognized that that I was clearly better than everybody else that was on my team, but you you recognized that I was doing that shit with my eyes closed and that I needed a challenge. And that's when you said, "Hey, you should really step up to the plate here and and you know jump jump on the the, the big boy team." And and I did, and I did it because you of your suggestion and your leadership and stuff. So, I mean, you were a, uh, you were while it was a short stay, you were a really good boss to me, Wes. So I appreciate that.
2: Hell, hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I appreciate that case, man. That, that's good stuff. I mean, I guess kind of while we're on this topic, I, I got a question for you, too. I mean, uh, uh, what's your experience in, I mean, good, bad, and different with some of your actual head coaches through the different teams you've been on? I mean, I've had great, like, Coach Cal. I've had terrible. Um, I mean, what, what, what is your guys' experience and then kind of how the team reacted to that type of stuff?
1: For me, um, I, I've, I've moved around quite a bit, so I've had the run of the gamut of coaches. I've had your strict coaches, your, your military style guys, and I've had some laid-back Pete Carroll-type coaches. So I, I think for me, my, my favorite style is the, the strict discipline one because the rest of the team can fall in line <laughs> with that. But in that same sense, that, I, that was my worst coach. was I ran into in one of my uh, high schools. It was, uh, it was actually my freshman year. It was one of my coaches that would, when something in just the most minor detail wasn't right, He would just take discipline to the 10th power. And I'm talking, we do elbow and toes from the back goal line to the other back goal line. And when we do that, you stop and you roll, just literally roll over yourself the entire field. You got guys throwing up and doing everything. (laughs) (laughs) Worst time. And and this was two a day. So you get up and be at practice at noon to two, have an hour break, and then from what, three to five or whatever it was. Uh, you know, and this was just all summer. This was just like this. I, I hated football that <laughs> year. The worst <laughs> football for me. <laughs> Not just to ch- with the X's and O's. It was just the way he treated us. Just
2: chased up and bruised up and injured yeah, from all true. the grass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah the funny, worst. Is the summer of my life. <laughs>
0: oh man! What about you, Dave? To this day, I think that my favorite coach ever was my JV coach, Coach Dean Schaefer was his name, and you might recognize that name, West. But if not, I'll, I'll get there. So in the '80s, Schaefer coached at Dunedin. And he was like a division three quarterback for some private school up in uh, Wisconsin. I, actually, I want to say it was Marquette. And this was way back when they were division three, but he was a quarterback. He, uh, he coached at Dunedin High School in the eighties. And at that time, while they did not win the state championship, they went to back to back state championships while he was the head coach. So he was, he was legit. Palm Harbor opened in 90. 6 was when the freshmen started coming in and stuff so by the time I got there and I think they came in as sophomores I can't remember but by the time I got there in 98 that was when they were doing the first graduating class at Palm Harbor University and he was the head JV coach. I come in to my freshman year JV and this team was stacked. It was the craziest bunch of talent I've ever seen on a JV team cuz most times JV teams struggle they're they're not they're not a well-oiled machine you know if you will there's a lot of mistakes and 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 guys are usually learning at that stage right like because they're not ready for varsity my freshman year I guarantee you our JV team would have whooped our varsity team's ass because we had we we had a lot of we had a lot of really big linemen but not only that the team was just so good man we were about 75 deep and everybody played and everybody was good And the reason why I liked him so much is because he was like your Bill Belichick type of coach in that he said very little, but everything he said was important, right? Like when he spoke, you listened and yeah, and, and, and he was very, um, he spoke very quietly he barely said anything, and he usually spoke with his body language, right? So you knew how a practice was going if you looked over and saw, like, how he was reacting and stuff, you know, and, and we were undefeated, 6-0, and going into the final game of the season against Eastlake, who at the time was also undefeated, and they're a crosstown <laughs> rival. So it's like a, it's a big fucking deal, right? And on like that Monday practice, we had, you know, terrible practice, everybody was off, nothing was working and stuff. And coach Schaefer just walks off the field. Like he just, he just left practice. And one of the assistants comes back, it was like a, you know, a staged thing, you know, the, one of the assistants comes back and goes, I don't, I don't know, guys, I don't think he's coming back. Like, you know, you guys really stunk out there today. And, and, uh, um, and and then so he didn't come back that day, but then so the next day on Tuesday, we ran to death. I think he made us do the snake twice. You remember the snake? mm mm-hmm. But then on that Wednesday, he took it easy on us and because, you know, JV plays on Thursday. So uh, Wednesday was like our pregame, and, you know, we came out in and, and shorts and helmets and stuff, and, and we went through the whole deal, and he gave us, like, this inspirational speech where the guy never fucking talks, and it was basically like, we're going to go out there, and you guys are going to win this game. All right, like, you know, bring it in, you know? <laughs> and then we're all like, all right, yeah. Because that's like the most he said in the entire year. <laughs> it was heartbreaking, man, because we, we went out there against Eastlake and we played the game of our lives. So all of our other games were blowout victories. This one was a nail biter down to the wire. We were up by three with less than 2 minutes left in the game and in high school there's no 2 minute warning or anything like that and I'm pretty sure they were down to like their last timeout and we've got one of the best running backs in the state James Brown is his name and the the conventional wisdom would be you run the ball and win the game right for whatever reason he called a boot and the quarterback threw an interception which was returned for a game-losing <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> so, everybody burst into tears on the sideline. Like every player on the team was just bawling their eyes out. And I remember the coach crying and telling everybody after the game he let us down and he was really sorry and stuff like that. And it was, it was the craziest thing ever, man. But I'll never forget that guy because his his demeanor was so old school but he got so much out of his players doing so little meaning he didn't he 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 didn't use a ton of hyperbole he wasn't like a loud guy he didn't get in your face or anything like that and then just to tell you how how good he was and what the difference was is that next year our going into varsity our varsity coach had basically stepped down for personal reasons and stuff and and he wasn't you know that that great anyway all of us thought that Schaefer was going to get that job because it just made sense, right? Like the JV team was coming up. We all knew each other. We were comfortable with him. He was the best coach. And, the guy that that got the job was like the exact opposite of him. He was like the Rex Ryan type, right? Like the the lots of hyperbole, lots of shit talking, lots. Of, he was very loud and br- abrasive and brash and stuff. And the same team that went six and one in, in in JV and dominated everybody and lost in a heartbreaking interception, won four games and one game over the next two years with that with the other head coach. So. Uh-huh yeah and and it was just a totally different atmosphere man you know it was it was a totally different atmosphere i would say that you know he was without a doubt my favorite coach i also played football in the air force and but our coach was also a player on the team so it was a little it was a little different at that we were kind of just policing ourselves you know and uh and then i played semi-pro ball um it was
1: always the worst situation
0: in that particular instance it wasn't that bad because like everybody's disciplined right like like you're you're in the middle military so like everybody is basically doing their job and there were no like egos and stuff like there were a couple but all the guys that were playing on those tackle football teams were like shoulda coulda woodas who got injured playing you know high school or or d1 ball or something like that or whatever um so the coach was like yeah. a, the safety but we all just kind of did our thing and we had a pretty good game plan we actually beat camp lejeune in a tackle football game and you know that was pretty scary because afterwards they were pretty pissed so, so, so the uh, the Marines versus the Air Force were like, "Oh, let's get off the field, guys. Let's go ahead and get on the bus and go back to the base." Played,
2: get out of here. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. Yeah, but then I played uh, semi pro for a couple of years when I was stationed up in Maine, and that coach was kind of like the best of both worlds. He was, he, he didn't say a lot, but then when he did, he kind of flew off the handle and and got like all, all uh, hyped up and shit, you know, and he, he's, uh, he's still coaching today. And I liken him to like the Bill Belichick of semi-pro football because I played for him back in 2006 and seven. And this was six or seven years into him owning and coaching that team up in Maine and that team, the Maine raging bulls, they still exist today and they win eight nine ten games every single season and they've been in the championship pretty much every year for the last 10 or 12 years up there and it's the biggest semi-pro league in the in the country so i would have to say he's probably the most experienced and and most well put together but that coach schaefer in my jv years man he was my favorite for sure
1: but it just goes to show man that uh that Coaching really does matter. The play calls, yeah. the, how you galvanize the team, all of that matters. You know, yeah. A lot of people say, well, hey, this is a talented squad. It's Tom mm-hmm. Brady. Oh, man, Belichick plays a big role. It's a really right. big role.
0: Yeah. I was yeah, waiting for I'm, you. When, when, okay, uh, go ahead, Wes. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I was just going to say when. no, no. no okay. I'm, all right, you go. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> hey, this is like the ten This is the way on the line Right.
2: No, no, I was just gonna say, uh, you yeah, know, like just like you're like you're saying about the uh coaching matter, and you have a super talented squad but if uh if you're not calling the plays, if you're not you know putting in the right position those sorts of things, it starts to show. I mean, uh, we we would always beat up on a lot, a lot of the smaller teams there at Stony Brook, but uh, when we'd start to play those bigger teams and everything like that, it just, you couldn't push them around. You couldn't run on them the whole entire time, yep. you know, those sorts of things. It was, you, you had to actually scheme, and then uh, we'd get into trouble sometimes for sure.
0: I'd like to actually get Damo's perspective on that for a second because what I was gonna say was I was waiting for Damo to throw me under the bus because I was also one of his coaches. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, you, you were you were uh you were avoiding the, the mines in the minefield like you, you were dancing around. No, but but what Wes said is pretty accurate in that you can be as talented as you want, but if the coaching doesn't match up and stuff then then obviously it's an issue. But but Damo, we were in the same situation together uh sometimes the shoe is on the other foot because we were uber talented but you know as well as i do that <laughs> you know not everybody was was up to taking the coaching so we ended up in a yeah, spot uh, where uh,
1: okay just to, just to talk about that um, i think for me I, if you play football then if you understand football as you know the game coaching is the style of coaching doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how your coach comes at you. You know the game. If This guy is coming at you with the right team, the right play calls and everything. It doesn't matter how he comes to you. If You're going to fall in line. It's the team and it's the team sport. So for me, it, it wasn't a style thing for me. it was like you, I could tell you knew football. You know what I mean? I could tell you your play design, what you were saying, just made sense. It lined up to the game. So I, that didn't matter to me. I when, but to my knowledge, at least how it, going into the pavilion talk that we've gone over a few times now, yeah, yeah. everyone didn't didn't like your style, right? You know? and, and for whatever reason, right? Everyone had their own. Uh, we preferred Mike, or we preferred this this coverage, or whatever the case was, and yeah. that didn't matter to me. And that's how I separated from that group. It just it. To me, you could see football in and, and the way you call the game. Yeah,
0: it was a thing. It was a thing, Wes, of where um, basically the team was completely divided about me. Like, like half the team loved me, and half the team hated me. <laughs> and it's and it's and it's my team, and so that's a that's a really difficult situation to be in. But but you know, now having worked with me, that, that that's how pretty much I am. Right? It's like people either love me or they hate me. Like <laughs> like, like mm. I was on a team that that, that you know couldn't stand me what? and. Uh, And yeah, right. Exactly. And, but Wes just right off the bat meeting them, you know, we hit it off and we're like, God damn, you know, you're wasting your time over here. You know, (laughs) like it's just, it's just one of those things. Like I've got a very, uh, I've got a very, you know, straightforward personality. So if, if I'm going to let you know how I feel about you and if, if you, if, if it ain't a good outcome, then you're not going to like me. But if, if, if it's good, then you know, you're going to love me. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been in the situation, uh, I've been in a situation there like, uh, You know, where you talk about half the team on one side and half the team on the other side. I think that's even more combative than, you know, the whole team hating (laughs) coach there. I mean, I've been in that situation. And at that point, I mean, you know, it's just pretty much like, all right, well, here it goes. It's almost done. well, let's just go ahead, and you just kind of you know unite against almost in the in, in the same fashion. Because you're, you know, you're still winning, and the credit's going to the coach and everything like that. But you know, I mean, I, I found just as much you know, team unity in a situation where everybody hates the show. <laughs> yeah. it,
0: it could have. <laughs> It could have easily been a, with the amount of talent that we had on, on the team that I coached and owned, uh, it could have been an 85 Bears situation (laughs) where, where the team being divided, where like that all the defensive players hated me, but all of the offensive players loved me like Mike Ditka style, you know, we could have, we could have done some serious (laughs) damage, man, but it, it went the other way, you know, it, it, it caused a lot of division. And, and because of that, you know, we only posted a five and five record. We struggled against, just like you were saying, Wes, because, the, the, it's one hundred percent correct. We would wipe the floor with the Pee teams. You know the, the the games that we should have won and won big, we did. But then the games that we had to rise to the occasion, we usually did not. We we always ended up playing from behind. And whenever guys had to face adversity, you know they didn't they didn't answer to the uh, you know they didn't rise to the challenge. So yeah, yeah
1: I mean, I think that's what that, I was saying, man. I I think that that goes along with semi pro, you know and. You yeah, gotta think of the mentality for half of semi-pro. You've got half the guys that are actually trying to make something of themselves in their career. Right. The other half are just living out the days so they just want to play. Right. So, yeah. you know what I mean? You have half the guys that, that are okay with the upfront in your face kind of style. Yeah. And the other half is like, well, I'm just here to play, man. I don't want to hear this. I want this coach to say this to me so I can just do my thing. But see yeah, that. I mean, just- <laughs> I just want to take the old head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Basically. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 just, it, it worked its way out. That
0: way. Yeah. That guy that I was talking about, coach Ronnie Bates is his name up in Maine with the raging bulls. Uh shout out to coach Ronnie Bates. If he listens to the show, the reason why it's been so successful for him though Damo in semi-pro is because he runs a program where it's basically a feeder team from college right so all those guys that go to UNH, U of Maine, UMass and all those schools in that area if they don't go pro which is very likely that they won't they need something to do and then they end up going to play for him because he's the most well put together program up there and some guys will travel four fucking hours (laughs) you know to to, to come to practice, to practice with that guy and then play in his games on his team. And it's it's yeah. just a different atmosphere. But we've talked about this with several guests on the show, too, about the difference between the football mentality up north and the football mentality down here in Florida. You know, it's, it's, it's completely different. It really is. It really is. I'm curious to hear your take on that. Uh, being,
1: playing out in Stony Brook, playing up north, and going to, to Armwood and Brandon High, so you've got kind of the best of both worlds, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, when, when, you when you go up to Stony Brook, you know, uh, especially when we first got up there, hadn't had much success, but even after we, after we had a bunch of success, there wasn't this huge fandom, um, you know, the university didn't have, uh, we had a huge student population over 20,000, a lot of commuters. but still, you know, we couldn't get the games full of It it, it was, it's a town. you know, that's what they they really care about. And, uh, it, it was, it was crazy. You know, it's like football. We have a darn good football team here. We're, you know, we're going to the, you know, semifinals, quarterfinals, those sorts of things. And we can't even get, you know, six, 7,000 people into the stadium. Um, so, so it was definitely, definitely different there. And it, 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 I'll tell you what, you know, like I know we don't, we don't play football for this, but it's nice to have too. You know, we all want to go to big school. All want, you know, you know, the more attention on the football team, the better, you know, the more hype, the more energy. Um, but it was kind of deflating. You know, like being up in that area and not having this huge following not having people really think football is that relevant At any level, you know, I mean even college football up. There's not huge I mean, they don't have no anything in a room for Rutgers. You know, everybody's pretty much a Penn State fan or a Notre Dame fan, right? Right. Yeah, so it, it, it it's different. The mentality is completely different. I mean our more We have just as many people at our games as we did at Stony Brook and I mean uh, you know, our, the weightlifting everything. I mean, we had a great weight program up at Stony Brook, but, you know, it was just it, it, being that armwood. it was pretty similar, you know. It was, it was kind of just a continuation <laughs> just because the football is so serious down in the South.
1: Yeah, for me, man, I, I found that it was specific towns up north that were about football. So you can, you can have the entire state of Illinois yeah, because I'm from Chicago, so the entire state of Illinois didn't really care. It was more of a basketball t- uh, state. You know, even Chicago, the city is more into basketball than football. Uh, and then you go into a specific suburb, this town is about their high school, and they'll they'll pack out their high school stadium. But and the next town over, the next high school over, won't. You know, down here, it doesn't matter where you go. You can go to a game, and it'll it'll be a packed game.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, so that, that's the differences for me and, and up north, but I. I feel like as a player up north, you have a lot of people that take it seriously. You know, a lot of yeah. people want to to ball and play the game. Down here, it's more of a I'm going to show you that I can beat you. It's more of a what I can do versus I'm going to versus a team. You know what I mean? We want to win. I, I would I, I would uh, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that that's, mean the nature of the players
2: that come from the south you know what i mean compared to up north where you know football's not this huge thing you know it's more of kind of a team team game up there i yeah. feel like as opposed to like you're saying here we have a lot of individual talent that want to shine right and yeah that, that creates a lot of really good teams but you know you go up to. I mean, the the map is probably not the greatest example. I know they're really good, but they still have that sort of same mentality on their team. But I I, I do agree to to uh, to to to, uh, to a certain point for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's funny too, Wes, because I think it also has something to do with the town that you're in, right? Because you went to Stony Brook, big school. The sports programs are coming up and stuff when you were there, but it's in Long Island, you know. So so you're yeah. you're in a you're in a almost a New York city is like almost a, it's own economy <laughs> in, in, in the United States of America. Right. So, so, so much shit is going on around you that football at a university is probably like the last thing anybody's thinking about in New York city. Yeah. I mean, Long Island's huge though. I right. Mean, it's, it's Long Island
2: millions of people. Right. Right. It. Like you're saying, there's a lot of stuff to do. And it's just, just so much I other stuff. That, yeah. Yeah. I just still feel like there's a good enough product that is being put on the field that we should have more people. And they're, yeah. they're getting an interest. You know, yeah. they built it. They've expanded the stadium. they got the indoor facility. So it, it, it's going. It's just like anything, man. Like, usually, you know, you go, the work you put in isn't realized while you're there. Uh, and then, you know, seven years later, you, they got fixed fix it. Expanded stadium,
0: nice brand new jerseys, everything like yeah. that. Like, you're like,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Damo and I were both in situations where we played in small towns on the road in semi-pro games where the town was very similar to what you are talking about with like Bozeman and Montana State. The entire town shut down for a semi-pro game. Uh, Damo talks about this game he played up in Wisconsin, Racine, Wisconsin, where they literally had packed, Thousands of people in a stadium to watch semi-pro football. But it's, very, green it's green a, but it's a very it's it's a, a championship this year. Too, yeah, and it's a very big deal up there in Wisconsin because you know there's a bunch of cordon fed dudes up there and they need something to do. So they they uh, uh, you know they play ball. <laughs> I it's a, same thing like in Maine uh, the the, uh, the the least of all places that you would think right. Like I played so many teams in the New England area where a couple hundred people would show up to a game or something like that, and that was par for the course because most towns in New England are very small. We go to this place out in the middle of nowhere in Massachusetts. It's like Western Mass. The entire town showed up to this semi-pro football game, which looked like something out of the movie Field of Dreams. Like the, the, the field, the field was out in the middle of a cornfield, dude. It was the craziest thing ever. Like, like we had to bus to, through a cornfield to get to the field. It's surrounded by all these like Friday night lights, you know, way up in the sky and stuff, you know, and, and, and we get there and there must be like, Eight, nine, ten thousand people <laughs> at this high school stadium to watch this semi-pro team play football, and it was all they had in that town. So, like everybody, every year looked forward to seeing this this team play semi-pro football, and they would pack out every home game. And it was the craziest. Was sat- the team any good? Well that's what I was just about to say was it was the craziest atmosphere ever demo in that we were so thrown by the amount of people that were there and the noise I mean it's to me it was probably the closest I could get to being in the shoe at o- Ohio State getting like booed out of the stadium or something like that you know where they talk about like certain stadiums like Ohio State and stuff it gets so loud that you you shake like your body shakes from the you know the the decibel level of the stadium This is what this felt like. Like there were so many people there. And whenever we were on the offensive side of the football trying to do anything, they would get so loud that you couldn't hear shit. And yeah, we got blown out, man. Oh, and the other thing about that too is that, um, because, because they were a small, uh, you know, small town team, small town mentality, they just ran the wing tee. That's it, you know, and this was in 2006. The wing tee had probably been retired for like, 20 30 years at this point right like i mean yeah, something like like teams still didn't enough, exactly right yeah that's a, right that's the thing is like there are still teams today running it and there were teams in high school that ran it against us anytime we saw it we we didn't know what the hell to do right because you're it's it's so simple but again if the players are disciplined enough to run it correctly it's almost unstoppable because mm-hmm. you're not going to get it's not like they're going to be throwing 60 70 yard bombs down the field for touchdowns and stuff they're going to get five yards here five yards there 10 yards here 10 yards there and then that ends up turning into 50 60 yard runs later in the game when you're exhausted <laughs> you know so yeah. Yeah. so so that's what happened man that team uh that that team blew us out big time and they won i want i want to say they won like uh 48 to 10 or something like that they killed us
2: uh you, uh you know long island new york there's so much going on but
0: something like that that's all they got Right. That's the only thing they got to do go to the right. football game. Well, and that's the other thing too, is the team that I'm talking about that I was on, we, we went eight and two and we lost in the championship that year. But that one team we played out in the middle of nowhere smoked us, <laughs> you know, and it was because every oh, yeah. single person in that town was sitting in that stadium. So it was overwhelming. I'm, uh, I'm interested to
2: see, I mean, I knew mean, you guys, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, a lot of about semi-pro things like that. Um, what do you guys think about a flag? You know, some of the flag football that's been really popping up a lot more heavy in recent and you know, some big money around some of those championship games. Have you been seeing any impacts on uh, semi pro or just you know, kind of people doing
1: both? For me, man, I've I've seen the a mix. You you got your elusive receivers and your your big body, big frame DBs playing it more. You know, and, and I, I think it's it's great for TV development maybe because it's not too much of TV development anymore. So I, I do think it's good for that. I, I just think it's it changing. And that goes with the rule changes, it goes with, with not letting kids play football. I, I'm an old school man. Football is football. It's a contact sport. I love that. That's what made me fall in love with it. I personally, I, I'm not going to play flag. You know, I wouldn't play it. I uh, it, nothing wrong with it. Again, I think it's great for for TV development, but it, it, to me, it takes away from the game. When you get into tackle football after playing a season or two of flag, you think you can do it and you make a jump set and you're either going to tear your knee or you're going to get blasted. <laughs> That's the difference yeah. that I see.
2: Kind of reminds me of, uh, like back in high school when, uh, you know, we'd be at Armwood and we'd be doing our uh, summer workout, you know, and uh, oh, here's an article, Plant wins 7 on 7 competition, Yeah, and Coach Cal would just, talk, he would be talking oh, wow, yeah. oh,
0: they're, they're playing fake football, we're yeah, yeah. getting ready for real football <laughs> right. we're yeah. going to run over there yeah. one, and sure enough, we did. I definitely have an opinion on that, especially being a coach I take the David Shaw mentality, you know, David Shaw, the coach of the Stanford Cardinal, he was asked back in 2000 2000- 2012 or 2013 about 7-on-7 seven seven and, and how that factors into his recruiting because all of the, the other teams in the Pac-12 and, and really now all over the country because of the spread style of offenses that we're seeing and stuff, everybody's using 7-on-7 seven seven to make their determinations on things like receivers and defensive backs and things like that, right? David Shaw answered, 7-on-7? Uh, seven seven? What is that? You know, <laughs> like... like he said uh i i don't even you know that's not that's not real football so if they're not playing football then you know we don't we don't evaluate it and and that's how i feel about it because to to Damo's point, and demo is one of those you know freak athletes that could easily dominate 7 on 7 or flag uh tournaments and things but he feels the same way i do about it there's no contact in it so there's no there you're not you know you're not really putting your skills to the test because your skills kick in Once you get punched in the mouth. Right. Like like how you how you respond to getting hit hard or uh, as a receiver, you know, being stuffed at the line or something like that that's when you find out what kind of football player you are, right? And then uh, football is won and lost in the trenches. And I can speak directly to how seven-on-seven or flag has affected me as a coach because so much of who I was recruiting around here were like big-time receivers in flag football. But then once they put the pads on, they can't play. Um, and there was mm-hmm. one specific example where you were talking about big money and flag and stuff. Well, there like, there was this really big flag tournament in Tampa one weekend, and it happened to fall – on one of the most important games of the season for uh, the semi pro team that I was coaching at the time the Hitmen he's not going to like this Damo but uh, Tyrone Hendricks this was his yeah. first this was his first year out of out of college and Tyrone was a big time DB and return guy for Morgan State West so he was up there in, in Baltimore like right around the same time as you played for uh, Stony Brook he actually set the record for uh, punt return yardage in a game in 1A football with Morgan State So he, I don't know how we lucked upon him with the hitmen because the hitmen were a terrible team. And I think he went to school with some of the guys that were on the team. So when he came back into the area, he jumped on our semi-pro team. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get this guy the ball on every play and it turned into we didn't have a quarterback so he just ended up becoming my wildcat quarterback and just running the ball all over everybody because he had the best vision ever because he was like a Devin Hester style returner you know <laughs> so when you put the when you put the ball in his hands okay. nobody knows how to catch him right and the only times he would be catchable is like Damo knows from personal experience because he played against him or with him, I should say, is uh, when he would wear himself out from running, you know, 500 yards to get like a five-yard gain or whatever, you know, (laughs) so, so, um, you know, like some, some, yeah, some Peter Warwick (laughs) type stuff where he would, you know, make 11 people miss three or four times and then he would just gas out and and fall over or get tackled or something, you know, (laughs) but uh, he he elected. Peter Warwick reference, I love it. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, if you watch the film, like, if, 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 if I put a side by side comparison up of Tyrone Hendricks playing quarterback and you watching Peter Warwick on a punt return, it looks identical. Like, in that he makes, uh, he makes like the entire, uh, return team, each player miss him like three different times. And then, and then, and then, and then he, and then he runs for a touchdown. <laughs> the, the, Tyrone would do the same shit except, uh, you know, he would gas out after running the width of the field three or four times and then (laughs) get tackled. So anyway, about this game, he elected to play in the flag tournament that weekend. And he was a huge part of our game plan. So, of course, without him, you know, I lost the game because he was like the the, the whole team at the time. He was running the wildcat. He was doing all the kick and punt returns. And he was scoring so many points just off of kick returns. Uh, He was a very valuable member of the team, probably the most important guy. And he played flag football that weekend. And so we lost but his team won and I guess they won like 10 grand for for winning yeah. this tournament or whatever and it was like you know seven guys so the, about 1500 bucks a head is what they won for playing in a flag tournament I was really pissed at him for for not being at the game and going to the flag and then when I found out how much money he won I was like all right you know all right it yeah. makes sense yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 you, you did that's the right big, thing that's big money that's what I'm saying man. right yeah well, that's, it's crazy how much money
2: they're putting in these tournaments yeah
1: uh, i want to say a million dollar one that just went by a couple
0: months ago yeah right yeah. In texas or something yeah right yeah. right yeah there's like that the national flag football league or whatever the nffl and those guys actually do get paid a really decent amount of money and people come to watch them too so that's pretty crazy it's just not my bag man not yeah, my they bag my- uh, you're not going to be playing flag football man <laughs> <So> I can't <laughs> exactly I would at, at, there, at this he's, point he's listen the receiver for sure. Yeah, listen, at this point just put him in the goal line for at, a little you know a little drag <laughs> route, he'll post up and catch it. At this point, guys <laughs> I fucking this, love it. <laughs> at this point I would have to be a coach. It seems so unnecessary to coach. I'll tell you what, though, uh, Damo, you get you get Jeff Williams out there playing corner and I will line up on him at receiver and I will catch a slant on him in the end zone and end his career. Yeah. <laughs> we have to that. <this. laughs> I want a clip of this I can send to Jeff. We're setting this up. Yeah. Just I don't uh want a video when it happened just just to give you some background West we're talking about one of the star players on my on my old team, and he was uh like the best you know defensive back on the team, and real speedster, very similar in athletic style to Damo. and we had uh, a practice where I was showing these guys how to run triple option and how to run the read. Jeff came in off of a blitz and i i I juked him out of his cleats like I think I actually broke his ankle and you know. I did this at I did this at three hundred and, and you know, fifty pounds and uh Jeff is a two hundred pound cornerback who with tremendous athleticism. So when I when I put my when I put my foot in the ground and faked him out and then took off up the field, the entire team at practice oh! <laughs> you know, lost their minds and, and because of that I'll never let Jeff forget about it and he unfriended me on Facebook. So <laughs> it's like- That's all
2: it's like the equivalent to me making a tackle during a game. I'm sure the reaction.
0: Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When it, when a kicker lays somebody out on a kickoff or a punt or something. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. Uh, So Damo, you got anything else for Wes? Enjoyed having you on the show. It was a good talking
2: to you. Hell yeah, man. I know me me and Casey have been trying to set it up for a while. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's awesome. I, you know, I got it. I'm I'm talking, like I said, I talked to him. We'll see if, uh, Got a couple people in mind. Yes, yes,
0: maybe for next season. Yeah, absolutely. Throw throw them your way, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it, Wes. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Semi-Pro Inside the Locker Room.